Welcome to Murder Bucket, a true crime podcast where I talk about everything from murders, paranormal activity, kidnappings, abductions, and also weird stuff. If you never want to miss a new episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It would also be helpful if you rated and left me a review. This spreads the word about Murder Bucket. Let's see what we're going to pull out of the bucket this week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. Tonight is a mini episode, and we are talking about the Antwerp Diamond Heist. So let's go ahead and get into it. Antwerp is the largest city in Belgium. As of 2018, there are approximately 523,000 people living there. It is located on the River Scheldt and is linked to the North Sea. The port of Antwerp is one of the biggest in the world. One thing that Antwerp, Belgium is known for is having one of the oldest zoos in the world. The Antwerp Zoo opened on July 21st 1843, and houses over 7,000 animals of about 950 species. 1.6 million people visit the zoo annually. The other thing that Antwerp, Belgium is known for is having 85% of the world's rough diamonds pass through the Diamond District. According to BellDiamond.com, Antwerp has always been a place of unlimited opportunity. Their diamond industry was established in the 15th century, and in their diamond district are four of the most important diamond markets. And those are the Beyors Vor Diamond Handel, which specializes in polished diamonds, the Diamond Club Van Antwerpen, which specializes in polished and rough diamonds, the Vierk Diamond Handel, which specializes in polished and rough diamonds, and the Antwerpese Diamond Ring, which specializes in rough diamonds. About 1,500 diamond firms are headquartered here, and they have a turnover of about $54 billion a year. But what is all this talk about diamonds? Well, it leads us straight into talking about the largest diamond heist of all time that occurred in 2003. The Antwerp World Diamond Center holds hundreds of millions of dollars worth of diamonds, jewelry, gold, and other treasures. Inside, there is a 10-layer security system that was thought to be impenetrable. That was until five criminal masterminds were able to successfully gain entry without triggering the multi-layer security system and steal several types of jewelry that were valued at more than $100 million. The main person behind this heist was Leonardo Natarbatolo. 
Leonardo began his criminal life at an early age by stealing money from the milkman that came around his neighborhood. By the year 2000, he had racked up an impressive robbery resume. He was extremely familiar with the Antwerp area because he often traveled there to pawn stolen diamonds from Italy. While living there, he rented a furnished office in the center, which gave him access to the safe deposit box located inside the vault beneath the building. He was also given a tenant ID, which allowed 24 access to the building. He began posing as an Italian diamond merchant to gain credibility. Leonardo and his five-member team prepared for the heist for over 18 months. During the preparation, the group conducted a detailed surveillance of the center by using camera pens to take pictures of the center and the vault. Because Leonardo frequented the center, the guards were accustomed to his presence and didn't suspect anything. At some point, a small camera was hidden above the vault door by one of the members. This was to observe when the guards opened the vault and to record the combination that was used. They also made a model of the vault so that they could learn the ins and outs of the room while the lights were turned off. The day before they made their move, Leonardo visited the center as usual. While there, he sprayed hairspray on the thermal motion sensors. The oil in this product would temporarily insulate the sensors from thermal fluctuations in the room. While not permanent, it would last for several hours. On February 15th of 2003, Leonardo sat in a getaway vehicle listening to a police scanner and preparing for his team to complete the heist. To gain entry without being noticed, the team gained access to an abandoned office that shared a private garden with the center that wasn't under surveillance. They then used a ladder to get to a small balcony. The balcony was monitored by an infrared sensor but one of the members of the group had a large polyester shield that hid his thermal signature and he placed it in front of it. This prevented it from detecting the group as they moved about. An alarm was then disabled on one of the windows. As they moved to the antechamber, black plastic bags were placed over the security cameras so that they could turn on the lights. Once at the vault door, one of the members of the group attached a custom-made aluminum plate between two bolts and unscrewed them. He did this because the vault door had a magnetic lock that consisted of two plates, and when armed, they would trigger a magnetic field, but when the door was open, the field would break, triggering the alarm. When the screws were side-by-side, it continued to generate this magnetic field. They were then taped to the antechamber wall. On a previous visit to the center, one of the members of the group was able to access a security area and create a duplicate of the foot-long vault key. This was always believed to be impossible to duplicate, but somehow he was able to do it. The group then turned off the lights in the antechamber before opening the vault to avoid tripping the light sensors that were located inside. The lock to the eternal gate was then picked. They then moved to the middle of the room and pushed back a panel locating the security system's inbound and outbound wires. The wires were carefully stripped of their plastic coating and a new wire was attached 
shunting the circuit and ensuring that even if the sensor was stripped, the alarm wouldn't sound. Heat sensors were then shielded with styrofoam boxes and lights were blocked with tape. A hand-cranked drill was used to break the locks on each of the security boxes. The contents were then emptied into a duffel bag. 123 out of 160 boxes were forced open. The group then stole all the footage from the security cameras. They then left the same way they came in and drove off in the getaway car. While attempting to get rid of their incriminating evidence, one of the members of the group had a panic attack and threw all of his papers into a bush instead of burning it like Leonardo had asked. A local hunter found all the paperwork and immediately called the police. They told the police that some of the stuff he found had contained envelopes from the Antwerp and Diamond Center, so police immediately started their investigation. The police had enough evidence to get a lead and eventually identified Leonardo from security footage from a nearby grocery store where he had purchased a sandwich. The receipt from the sandwich was in the evidence that was found. Leonardo was then found guilty of orchestrating the heist. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison in 2005, but he was released on parole in 2009. He then violated his parole in 2011 by not compensating the victims of the heist, which he was required to do. He was then arrested in 2013 at an airport in Paris and was made to serve the remainder of his prison sentence until 2017. The other members of his team received five years in prison each. Leonardo claims in an interview with Wired magazine that a diamond merchant had hired him and his team for the heist that this was supposed to be part of an insurance fraud claim because the vault itself was uninsured because the insurance company believed that it had security flaws. And because there was very little insurance money involved, police do not believe his story. To this day, Leonardo claims that they only stole $200 million worth of jewelry, even though authorities say that there is $10 million worth of jewelry still missing. He also continues to claim that he was not the ringleader of the heist and has never told authorities where the missing jewelry is. The story about the Antwerp diamond heist has made it into pop culture, with Scott Andrew Selby and Greg Campbell writing a book titled Flawless, Inside the Largest Diamond Heist in History, and the Travel Channel's show Mysteries at the Museum aired an episode titled Project Vortex, Diamond Heist, and Tinseltown, New Jersey. And that concludes tonight's mini-episode. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.